Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, so we are sat in Gus G's tour van in Amsterdam outside the Paradiso venue. Tonight is show 8 of 12 with Steel Panther, Gus and myself holding it all together with some tunes in between. Um, this has been the first time myself and Gus have got to spend some time together. And uh, let's talk about this tour first of all. Let's go straight in on that. Yeah. I presume you guys have history, you and Steel Panther. I saw a video of you jamming out a tune with them. And I think your Instagram. So uh, where does that relationship begin with these guys? Right. Um, Well, it's kind of funny because Steel Panther opened some shows for Ozzy back in the day when I was in the band. So that that goes like back into maybe, I don't know, 2010. On their first album cycle. Yeah. 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 When I, that that was their first album then? Maybe it was. Yeah. Uh, But I, um, I never got to meet the guys then. <laughs> I never got to see them or meet them. We always arrived at the venue late, and then by the time we were finished, everybody was gone. And anyways, so uh, so you just presume they were probably the characters that you saw on stage to begin with, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, just like everybody. They, yeah, they yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody thinks all kinds of things. But uh, anyways, fast forward to 2013, and I am in LA recording my first solo record with Jay Rustin who's also the producer of Steel Panther, amongst other many other bands. And uh, we're there, you know, just tracking drums, and he says, hey, why don't we go down to the 
House of Blues and check out it was like Monday night or Tuesday or something. He said, Hey, why don't we go down and check out Steel Panthers? And I'm like, Yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Their old residency night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we go down there and I'm I'm having I'm hanging out there with Jay and I'm actually getting kind of drunk. <laughs> Which As you do at those shows. I, I went to one in 2013 <clears throat> uh, with my friend Jarrett from the band Bowling for Soup. And I'm sure every night was the same. But the night we were there, uh, Matt Sorum was there. Mm-hmm. Dave Navarro was there. Ricky Rackman was there. They said on stage that John Malkovich was somewhere in the room. I didn't doubt that either. Yeah. They used to be real star-studded events, didn't they? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think during their residencies and in, in, in on the Strip, when whatever it was whether it was key club or house of blues i think all the fucking celebrities of la of hollywood have must must have been at the shows yeah uh, at some point in time anyways so i'm there getting pretty drunk and then all of a sudden i hear my name being called from stage where are you do we hear you're here in the room come up now and fucking jam with us i'm like what <laughs> i didn't i didn't expect that i did not sign up for this but i'm down yeah and yeah i just went on stage i almost actually took the wrong exit going out leaving the venue i was like brilliant yeah i was a spinal tap <laughs> yeah, exactly moment, yeah. yeah like i oh. had that last night in uh Obahas and i locked myself out in the fire escape having a cigarette and the door closed behind me you were at about 10 minutes left of your set and i was like fuck man if i don't get back in yeah. they're gonna go Matt, dj matt's up next and then there's just silence and i was like for fuck <laughs> so i was like banging on the door calling joe we could have played a couple of songs we could, <laughs> yeah, we could have filled in for you yeah, if yeah, that yeah. happens any other point then you know yeah. that i'm locked outside all right keep jamming yeah <laughs> Let me keep that fucker out there i want to play two more songs <laughs> so you got what tune did you play uh crazy train right on uh, so what have you made of uh, their Crazy Train renditions? Was he always doing it as Aussie? No, no, he wasn't doing that. No, no, doing no the not back Aussie then. Before. No, no, it was just like, they, they just, just did Satchel it, just gave straight. me his guitar and they were like, okay, let's, you're on, let's do it. I'm like, all right. And they were saying some jokes in between. I was too drunk to remember. It's all up on YouTube anyways. It was fun. And then we hung out a little bit back uh, backstage after the show and got to meet them. Really cool dudes. Um, and... What what happened now? after that? Actually, after that, I kept in touch with uh, Michael Starr for a yep. little bit, and um, didn't he sing on one of your records? Yeah, I asked him. Said, "Dude, I'm making this record with Jay. I said you want to sing on this track?" And um, he was down for, for it. And um, he's got such a great voice, hasn't he? Fuck I was yeah. saying to someone the other day, like to go on these. Not that this is like a really long tour, but every night to be hitting those notes that he is at absolute peak like there's no drop in quality at yeah, all. yeah yeah no he's, he's and he's hitting amazing. very different registers as well yes yes you know he's impersonating ozzy david lee roth vince neil which isn't that hard uh he's yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> they certainly improved that song actually uh, yeah absolutely yeah no i mean they uh i mean he's he's got some serious pipes that guy he's yeah one of the best fucking hard rock singers out there of our times i think you know? yeah man so without a doubt so anyways, I think that's what I've come to really appreciate on well, this tour is the level of showmanship and musicianship. Here's the thing: I realized that back then, at that that night at the at the House of Blues, when I saw them, I was like, that that's when I really got it. I'm like, okay, now I see what this is. These guys are fucking not only amazing entertainers, but they can fucking play. This sounds like exactly like the album. These guys fucking rock. Yep. So I was totally blown away by their show, actually, and how well also that the whole joke thing like they're how they're really funny and together, then yeah and how can how they also improvise on those bits here and there and 
I mean, yeah, there's no script, is there? Because I've noticed that the way they lead into certain songs changes every single night. Yeah. And you can tell because of the chemistry and the history and the rapport that they all have. Right. They're making it up on the spot. And there's very few moments where it doesn't flow and right. it doesn't work. Right, right. If any. I would say yes. Yeah. yeah. I agree. <laughs> Couldn't agree more, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there, they're like, come out on tour. And you said, fuck yeah. Uh, what happened after? Yeah, we did that. Uh, no, we did that, the song. With Michael Starr? What? Yep. Sorry, where were we? Just tracing the old history. Of, yeah, yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm so like kind of like... You do the record with uh, Michael guest vocaling. Yeah, he's he sang one song. I mean, the whole record had different uh, guests on it, so we did a song called Redemption. Anyway, so what happened after that? I mean, we just, you know, I, I, we kept in touch like every now and then, just like a, dropping a text every now and then. Hey, how's it going, dude, and all that. And I also happen to know Joe Lester, yep. who's their TM slash backline guy and he's also an amazing photographer in 2015 he, uh, I worked with Joe on my second record he took uh, the promo photos oh wow for, okay. my, al- for my second album um, anyway so uh, you know I, I knew I knew the cam like one way or another like a little bit you know from the outside and stuff so I just texted Joe like a few months back I said hey I see you got this tour happening if you guys need any support acts just you know give me a shout it was just like that like i'm not expecting anything back and then all of a sudden like a couple of weeks later i hear back from joe like dude the panther guys really want you in this tour I'm like what amazing <laughs> so that's i love it. it when i hear stories like that it shows that sometimes i think when managers and agents and all that side of things get get involved it sort of almost blocks the friendships yes to some extent. yes i, when I you agree, just have yeah. a musician reach out to another musician and say hey dude how about it yeah. And they're like, hell yeah. And it's yeah. just, it really is and that usually simple, I'm, isn't and, it? And usually I'm, I'm very shy about that. I don't want to put anybody in a, like, in a weird spot like that where they have to, oh, say, oh, whatever, this or that. But I don't know. It just came out natural. Just, and I didn't even ask any of the guys in the in the band. I asked Joe. I said, hi. Are you? I asked him, hey, how you been, man? Long time. I said, are you TMing them now? He said, yeah. I'm like, oh. Well, I said, I'm available in February, February if you guys need it. You're in Europe and UK and I live in Greece, so... You know, if you don't want to bring a band out from America, I'll 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 do these shows. You know, so not really expecting anything. You know, I didn't really think he would even hit me back about that, but he did. Crazy. And here we are. Here we are, man. In a bus having a chat in Amsterdam. DJ it is Matt. A beautiful day as well. Like uh, it is. It's a big show, a huge tour for me to do. Usually, I <clears> just do punk rock tours. So this is a kind of a new audience, a new style of performance. Not that it's, you know, drastically different. Same it's here, just bro. Pressing play on other people's music, but there's a different obviously approach to Do you tour a lot of uh do you a lot of clubs, um uh, club nights or around Europe or is this is your first European thing? This is my first European run ever. Yeah, yeah. And I've got an cool. after show in Paris which I'm gonna get you along to I'm tomorrow. Coming night. Down to that, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're getting shit faced. <laughs> and I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna bug the DJ but hey play fucking I don't know, whatever song comes up to mind at that moment. You better. And yeah. then in the introduction to this, when I put this out, I can let people know what your requests were, so they better be good. Oh, okay. I'll have to <laughs> think about it. The jury is out. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your upbringing. You were brought up in what area in Greece? Uh, in a city called Thessaloniki. It's the second biggest city uh, of the country. It's in the north part of the mainland. Um, yeah, born and raised there. Um, I lived all in all kinds of places. Um, after I finished high school, I I lived in the states for a while. You went to Berkeley Music School I for went a to, bit, right? Yeah, I went well, there. Before we get there, yeah. what about your uh, family life? Were your parents musical? Did you have any brothers and sisters that were into music? 
it was, where, where does the love for music come from? It was through my father, uh, because my father is, um, I mean, his main profession, he was a, a, a gym teacher in high school, but he used to sing at Greek weddings and during the weekends. Like traditional Greek folk yeah, music. Yeah, 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 yeah. But my dad had, uh, he didn't know much about rock and roll, but he, he had an open mind in music, you know, so he had a couple of rock vinyls at home, not much. But through him, I found out about the Beatles and Pink Floyd and um, the Eagles and stuff like that and uh, Queen. And he had like this vinyl of Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. That was the one, was it? That was the game changer. That was the one. Because of the guitar playing alone. Yes, because because of that track called Do You Feel Like We Do? And he was doing this talk box effect Uh and making the guitar talk. So he was doing all this, I don't know, whatever. When I was eight or nine years old, it, it all sounded like a fucking robot to me. It was like, whoa. <laughs> How's he doing that? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, it was just one of those, like, what do you call it, like a epiphany moments or something? Straight up. It yeah. was like a like jolt this is, of lightning. Yeah, like this is what I got to do in my life. I need to learn how to do this. And I How old are you at this point? Nine. Nine. Yeah. So, so is that your first guitar is nine years old? Yeah. I go to my dad. I'm like, hey, I, can you... Uh, buy me a guitar and want to learn how to play that thing. It's like, yep. He was really happy about that. And was it electric at first or did you begin on the classical? Or Unfortunately, acoustic? it was a classical. Classical. Yeah, so I couldn't do any of the... Is that because you had to prove your chops on that first? Yeah, exactly. Before? He's like, I need to hear your son do all these arpeggios clean first. <laughs> and uh, then uh, we can uh, see about you getting an amp with distortion. <laughs> do you think that learning that way, though, instilled in you a greater knowledge of the instrument and a broader skill set? Actually, let me say this. I I was not classically trained. I mean, I had a classical guitar, but, you know, I just started, I I took lessons in a local uh, music school and there was um, my teacher there, bless her. She's, uh, she knew a little bit of piano, a little bit of guitar, a little bit of everything, you know, kind of like teaching the kids and stuff, a little bit of theory. Uh, and then it wasn't until later that I went to a conservatory and I switched to the electric. And then I, that, that happened when I was 14. That's when the whole, like all the really hard years of practicing started right yeah and your first band is what age and is that in greece or do you wait until you're over in the states to start putting some plays together and no it was in greece uh it was during my high school years uh i was in a cover band playing gigs uh, what kind of covers all kinds of stuff man deep purple zz top like all kinds of shit like so is heavy metal big in greece Oh yeah. yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. yeah. It's 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 big. I mean, lots of fans. Um, um, I mean, back in the nineties, there wasn't that many shows that came through. You know, when there was like all these bands touring and stuff. But like, a rock show was like the big event. It didn't matter who it was. You know. Um, right. But of course, as the years passed by, like you know, we became more spoiled. Like. Um, all the Europeans, you know, like, <laughs> so you get to see a lot of shows there all the time. There's a lot of competition in the live market nowadays. But back then I remember like, oh, fuck, uh, I don't know, somebody like even, if, even like a power metal band like Gamma Rays coming to town. Like everybody, everybody would, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit like that back then. Um, and then what takes you stateside? Is it the pursuit of a career in music? Well, first of all, I had... Um, I have some family there. My mother's brother, so my uncle, yeah, he lives in Florida, in Miami. So I used to visit him uh, when I was young, summertime. I would spend some time there. I visited him two or three times, I remember, when I was... First time I went there, I was 11, I think. What was your first impressions of America as a young kid from Greece? 
I loved it. Yeah. I, it I mean, what's not to like when you're that age, right? Yeah, exactly. Everything was just like bigger and stuff. So yeah. I, I just, you know, it's mind blowing seeing the skyscrapers. Like never had seen skyscrapers before. Like when you're a kid, you know. And um, the big toy stores I liked. <laughs> I yeah, remember toy stores, clothes stores, record big, shops, big like, breakfast fucking dishes, like yeah. everything. Oh, I yeah, can't. huge portions yeah. of food. Yeah, I liked all that. <laughs> I, I remember when I went back when I was 14, I was really into Beavis and Butthead and I found these fucking full-on head masks of Beavis and Butthead. Amazing. You could not find that shit back in Greece. I was a I was a cool kid that would come back with all the cool stuff from America. And the cool records, the new CDs, yeah. Yep, yep, CDs, all kinds of shit, like T-shirts that we didn't have back there. How amazing were Beavis and Butthead back in the day? Like, they were the almost the tastemakers, weren't they? Yeah. Like yep. they, could <laughs> ma- they could make or break a band. Really? Yeah, like yeah. They had that kind of clout. for a while there. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of bands got like they were hoping to be fucking there for two seconds, and then hoping that Butthead would say something like "This sucks," <laughs> and then that they would probably go on to sell a million records yeah. or something. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah, I remember. I used to fucking sit. It was like up on Headbangers Ball, like around after midnight, I think. Right, and I used to fucking sit up there and watch that. You know, stay up all night, and it was cool. And get your doses of new bands, right? That was also the means of discovery, wasn't it? Pre-internet, it was MTV. Yes, you're right. That was it. That was it, man. Um, so you get over to the States and you move to LA. Is that where you first end up? No, actually, I didn't go to LA until until later. Uh, in the beginning, it was uh, Berkeley College of Music in Boston. I had a scholarship for that. It only lasted two weeks with me. I was like, <laughs> "Why is that?" I don't know. I was just like, "Fuck that!" I don't. Nothing against the school, you know. But I was just like, "Hey." Um, by that time, I was already in a conservatory for four years. I knew like theory, harmony. I've done a lot of basic stuff. I just really couldn't. You felt like you knew all there was to know to a point. No, not really. I mean, I I shouldn't say that. I I just felt like I needed. Uh, the real experience rather than just the academic experience. I just you didn't... Need to get out there and play shows. I needed to play... Yeah, I needed to find a couple of other dudes, form a band, and then and then see how that's like to go out there and try to make our own music and stuff. And maybe, in hindsight, looking back now, maybe uh, that was like my excuse to go out there in America and uh, like the, the, the Berkeley... Uh, the Berkeley College uh, scholarship was like the means to the end yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) maybe it was I don't know I I was hoping I was gonna like it a lot because I was already I had already attended the year before I had attended this five week uh, summer camp program they had and I had a lot of fun there I met a lot of cool kids good players we made some demos I was looking forward to going back to study full time but then it didn't really wasn't really the same the next time I went there so I decided to drop out moved down to Florida with my uncle started working at his diner and tried to find a local band to play and at that time by that time it was 1999 and it was not really a healthy period for classic heavy metal in the states um it was a lot of the new metal stuff yep um, and i was so that wasn't really your cup of tea was it no 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 not at that time anyway so um, and I really didn't know what to do. I was, and and nobody around that area was playing the stuff. It was either like death metal, Florida death metal, or or stuff like I don't know, like new sounds. I remember like everybody was talking about Meshuggah. That was like the new sound then, and I was like, I don't know, man. I I, I like the Michael Schenker group and Ingve yep. Malmsteen's Rising Force. So I guess I'm outdated here a little bit. So you admit you felt like you missed the boat. Yeah, yeah, and and I just went back to Europe. I went back to Greece uh, for a while. 
And then some friends of mine were recording in Sweden. And I was like, that's where I got to go. I got to check it out in Sweden because that's where a lot of the metal bands were coming up at the time, like the Gothenburg Sound, you know, bands like In Flames and who else? Like um, Dark Tranquility at the Gates, like bands like that that were, you know, still like, like death metal, but they were they had like cool guitar riffs on there. You know, it was yeah. like melodic stuff. And there was a certain level of musicianship, which I dug. And um, yeah, I ended up hang, hanging out with... Um, at, at Fredmont Studios with my buddies from Greece. It was a band, it was a band called Exhumation, a local band that made a couple of records there. They took me with them and I ended up hanging out with Frederick Nordstrom, the owner and producer of Studio Fredmont and producer of all those bands, you know, Hammerfall at the Gates, you name it, all those bands. And me and him started a band. That band was Dream Evil. That was kind of like my introduction to the music industry. And at this point in time, how old are you? 1920 so you've obviously had your upbringing in greece period in america over in sweden that's a lot of traveling for someone of of that age were you yeah getting exposed to obviously not just different kinds of music but different kinds of people and the scope of life as it were did you feel like you were evolving and growing as a young man as well yeah i felt like uh, i was learning a lot really fast you know just like absorbing and you know like just being around different cultures and you know like sweden was a totally new thing to me like scandinavia i'm like, I'm like by that time i had experienced american america and the american culture but I, I knew nothing about the scandinavian culture so that was really cool as well at the time um yeah it definitely um helps uh me sh- help shape my character yeah, you know, I just at that time when you're like 19, your 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 brain's still like absorbing a lot of stuff like of a sponge, course. and you're like it still builds your character and your personality. And uh, I took the stuff that I thought suited me, you know, from from America or from Scandinavian culture, and of course, you know, my my upbringing in, in Greece, and we have you know I had a, coming from we have strong family values, and anyways, where I come from and stuff. Uh, I'm not really re- religious, or my family isn't really religious, but you know, still like. You know the family thing and uh, doing the right thing and all those good morals and and yeah, just trying to see what the fuck is gonna happen with my life. You know, just yeah, yeah. It was it was exciting times, man. It was exciting times. I I loved every second of it. Everything was really new. I I yeah. I had a great time there in Sweden. Stayed there for three years on and off. Try to get the band happening, making demos. I remember it was really hard to get a job because I didn't speak Swedish. Everybody speaks English there, but when I went in there to, to you know, ask for a job, they wouldn't hire me. So I ended up working on that basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I, and I ended up like doing dishwasher jobs, like in Greek restaurants and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So you were really slumming it and living hand to mouth. Oh yeah, man. I I remember like I I was living on fucking canned food for a few months. Yeah, yeah. It was. But it didn't matter. That's a yeah. thing, you know. People are like, "Oh my God, how did you do?" I'm like, "I don't. I didn't give a fuck. It was fun." Do you think that still exists in today's world? That absolute hunger and passion and desire to make music that people are willing to say live in an apartment or a flat with no central heating and just be freezing cold, and as you say, to live on a diet of tinned, you know, I w- shit food. Like, do you think that's still in w- effect? I would hope so. I really hope so. It is because that really, 
is like because re- every band did it, didn't they? Whether they were Black Sabbath, yeah, Metallica, yeah. like every world conquering huge band but started now it's out. So like that. different now it is so different. Like kids with you know like with, with, with social media, it's like a yeah. different world. Like now you don't have to fucking go knock on somebody's door, like fucking travel somewhere else, and like I say, eat dirt for like five years in a basement. Like you, you make your record in your bedroom, and then you put it up there, and then if it, you know, it has some um, catches some traction online. I don't know. It's a different times, man. I, I'm not saying. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that there isn't. You know, people aren't struggling like young artists aren't struggling today. It's probably tougher for them nowadays because it's, to break. Certainly, it's just a plethora of. If you look at certain bands as well, like they wouldn't maybe hit until their third, sometimes even fourth album. A band like Queen, for instance, yeah. at least second or third. And oh, yeah. nowadays, if you don't hit on the first, it's like you're dropped, don't you? Yeah. The record labels need that instant return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So you don't get that same incubation period where they're nurturing and developing the talent and bands are finding their voice and their identity i don't think labels even do that anymore they're just no. they're just looking to sign somebody that already has the the clicks the views the yep. streams and then they're they're gonna be interested to talk to them i haven't seen anybody like that it was just picked from a label or a management and be like okay yeah we're gonna invest like i don't know 200 grand on you and then we're gonna see what happens by the third single or something yeah in a period of a few years yeah no that doesn't exist no No. i haven't seen that at least maybe it is but i don't know it's different times um but that's okay Uh, i caught the tail end of the old business model and i'm happy i did that you know uh it taught me a lot of things um yeah yeah it it, it made me a lot more it it kept me grounded i I would say like because a lot of people always come up to me and say Dude, you're such a sim- simple guy. Like you're just, uh, you're, um, you know, how come you don't have this, you know, this rock star attitude or this or that? You could have been a diva. I'm like, you know, when you've carried your own fucking shit in the rain, fucking loading up the van like countless times after you've played for like a couple of thousand people or something, you know, then you know you're like, their whole fucking rock star attitude goes away quickly. So yeah. if you're like. If, if you want to laugh, if you are realistic, about, yeah. If you're realistic about where you are and who you are and what exactly is happening around you, then there's no room for bullshit like that. That's what I always tell them. But I don't know. Everybody's different. I think everybody also has a certain perception. Are you we good on time? I'm good. I'm just. Yeah, yeah. You getting a call? Yeah, I am. But what's up, baby girl? <laughs> hey, no, it's Jimmy. I don't know what FaceTime and live in the van. Exactly. No, uh, so uh, what? It is Valentine's Day today, though. It is. Val- we didn't even mention that actually. <laughs> yeah, it is Val- Valentine's Day in Amsterdam at a Steel Panther show. That has all the ingredients for a great <laughs> night, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can't help but feel not, you know, annoyed or sad about being single on a day like this. Are you a married man? I'm a married man, happily married. Ha- yeah. ha- how long have you been married? Uh, eight years now. Dad, you got kids? No, not yet. No, not, not yet. yet. Uh, hopefully soon. Let's On see. the cards, though. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I need, I need to be more home and practice. You know, I haven't been home much. I've been touring, so yeah. So I plan to practice some more. <laughs> practice baby making. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, gonna yeah. practice it's on the that best one. part, right? Exactly. It's be. Yeah. When this tour um, go, <laughs> finishes, I'm gonna go home and practice. You know, I'm already getting horny uh, with the Steel Panther shows. <laughs> well, easy now, guess. Easy now. Hey, Not hey. in the van. Yeah, yeah. So what took you back? <laughs> what took you back to Greece? Just because it's home? Had you felt like you'd done your? Your time in Los Angeles or the States or wherever Look, you were man, based. Look, man, it's like the, the way... The ho- the pull of home brought you back. I liked living in Greece. I liked living... I mean, it's pretty quiet where I live. Uh, if 
I know the pros and cons, you know, of course, because uh, it's it's a discussion that comes up quite often. Like, there's a lot more opportunity in the states and all that, a lot more money to be made. I'm like, yes, but money isn't everything. And I've had a lot of opportunities. I'm not complaining. I've done everything that I ever wanted to do in my career and a lot more. I mean, I would never thought that I would be playing with somebody like Ozzy Osbourne. So I've done everything I wanted. So I'm like, I was thinking to myself when I asked myself that question: Where do you want to be when you're not? on tour on like where yeah, yeah so i i and i feel like living back home in greece it's uh, it gives um, me and 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 my family a better quality uh quality of life and i like it there and sure yeah maybe i might be a little bit away from um you know the industry the industry and stuff yeah but then again I, i play like what 100 shows a year and i see a lot of people all the time and you I, see them at the shows i yeah. see them at the shows and uh yeah the festivals and and i you know and i still do business trips and all that stuff the whole time so um and you're self-managed i am right, right now yeah for the last few years i have been uh so a lot of work but more freedom is it absolutely is it nice being in control of your own shit absolutely yeah, yeah 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 it is i i love it um i was always interested in the um, industry part the business part of it like i want like even when i was a kid um, i wanted to know what is a publishing deal why do we get this and why do they get that and what does that mean and because um, so many musicians over the years have been ripped off haven't they oh yeah like yeah. i guess that as well doesn't really happen anymore um but there used to be decades of just bands getting absolutely rinsed and taken complete advantage of yeah and i think you know even when if you sign like a new deal even now nowadays it'll it'll still will not be in in your favor which i totally get you know if somebody's going to invest in you in uh, you know in, in your music and in, in your career i mean they will have to be getting the lion's share. I, I get that. I understand that. And we did that, you know, with Firewind in the early years and stuff. And then when we were in a better spot and we had sold some records and then we, we you could, got a bit of we could go in. Yeah, too. yeah. You have more leverage. You can go in and negotiate a different type of deal and stuff. So, but but you have to be interested into that and you have to, to be aware of that. If you, if you don't have somebody to show you that way that you really trust, you really got to be aware of it yourself. And um do your own digging and searching. Um, Did you have somebody who was advising and, you know, sort of showing you that path or were you just reading up about it yourself and I taking did have a, note and soaking up? And I did have a management actually uh, from the UK for about 10 years. Uh, and they were also my, uh, they were booking shows. They started like that and they started helping me out with contracts and stuff. Um, Sharon Richardson, she's, um, yeah, she, she helped me out a lot with that. But I also was, uh, I knew a lot of managers of different bands as well, just being around and touring with those with, with different bands. And um, and I would always, I, I, one thing I was not shy of was going up and asking for advice and asking people's opinions. Like I would go, you know, I don't know, if I thought I, I had something to, I wanted to ask uh, Arch Enemy's manager, for example, I would go up and ask him like, hey, what do you think about this or that? And then I would just sit there and listen to what they have to say. And then, yeah. then kind of like, put the pieces together and trying to figure things out that's how i learned basically just by doing bit by bit and going on to the next tour and to the next album that's all it really is isn't it is yeah. kind of a game of uh like haphazard just you do it and you learn on the job yeah and as events unfold and you gain experience you then apply the lessons that you've learned to the next yeah, step yeah i mean nobody's born a professional man you know, no you, you have to kind of like um you become professional hopefully along the way <laughs> I mean, to me, it's still like I, I'm I'm making a living from my hobby. You know, that's that's yeah. how I look at it. It's not like a, it you know, in in a lot of ways, it is a day job, but in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's not. I mean, 
I'm thinking about it still. Like, I have been here for almost 20 years playing my fucking stupid riffs and like whittly whittly guitar licks and <laughs> I, I can i can i can pay the rent with that and some people like it awesome life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/host. Who are the guitarists that you most admire around now still? It hasn't changed much the list, you know, it's um guys like Gary Moore, Tony Iommi, Ingrid Malmsteen, Paul Gilbert, uh Shanker, Willie John Roth. Yeah, those dudes. And, okay, let's talk about the call from the double O. Yeah. Does it come from a telephone call? Is it a, a from meeting? From a big red phone. Is it, <laughs> is it an email? How do you get the, the invitation? How does the word uh, reach you that Ozzy wants you to play guitar in his band? It was an email through somebody from the management. And they just, uh, yeah. What was the email header? Do you remember? I don't remember, actually. Good question. I don't remember. You must still have the email somewhere, no? It must be in it's my... It's got to be uh, in there. I should have saved it. It must yeah, be in man. my send folder or whatever. You have to trawl through fucking 15 years or however yeah, long ago. Exactly, when yeah. was it? 2001? 2009. 2009. Probably not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. So you get an email from the management company basically just laying it out in no uncertain terms. You want to come and audition. It, How's it being presented? It was just like, hey, we were we were thinking of you for the, you know, keep this internal. We're thinking of you for... Um, for the position of the guitar player in Ozzy's band. Would you be interested in something like that? Is that a total shock to you? Does it come completely out of the blue or was there a, an inkling perhaps on your part? I totally expected it. I'm like, you did. of course. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I knew I was going to be the next <laughs> Ozzy guitarist. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. You were basically just waiting like, oh, I mean, it's a la- later than I thought it yeah, was going to be, to be honest. Guys, what have you been doing all this time? Exactly, yeah. What's <laughs> the matter with you guys? But yeah, I'll do it, whatever. No. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing better going on. Yeah. Um, no, it was, um, it was that email. I was, I don't know, 2 a.m. back home in Greece. I was just sitting, just watching watching the good old telly yep. with the missus. And <laughs> Classic. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good night in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, no, the email comes in and um, I'm like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? Just like pause everything for a second. And I'm like, 
I don't drink, man. Look, I don't drink. I don't really drink. I I've, I get drunk maybe once a year or something, you know. Tomorrow night. That's that's my uh, <laughs> yeah drunk night for 2019, <laughs> and <laughs> and then I sit down there and I have I pour a fucking whiskey whiskey shot like three three shots of whiskey, like bang bang bang, just to fucking calm down because my heart was like my heart rate was going like I'm like gonna fucking have a heart attack. I gotta fucking calm down. Is this real? What is this? I I I knew that I knew who that guy is. I'm not gonna say any names now, but I knew who the guy that worked for Sharon was because he was working at Ozfest, and I had been at Ozfest prior to that uh, as a touring guitarist for Arch Enemy back in 2005. So this was like fast forward to 2009. I get this email, and I'm like, oh my god, I know who this guy is. They're fucking serious. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll, you know, let me know when you guys want me to be there. I'll fly out there. So I learned a bunch of songs, and then they flew me out there. How long a gap is there between getting the email and then getting on that plane? Three weeks. Three I weeks. To, I actually had a. They were. They were like, yeah, it's no rush. I said, I, I. I said, when you want me to be there because I had a tour coming up, a UK tour actually was Firewind and Stratovarius. And uh, you're like, I need to get that done before I head out on tour because otherwise, I would. I might miss the, my shot. What? Did, do you think you would have missed the shot if you would have gone out on tour and that was when you were? I asked being them actually. I said, uh, "When do you want?" And they were like, "No rush." And they were like, "You can you can be here next month or something. Like, take your time, learn the songs well." And so I I went out there. I did the tour, the UK run. It was like five or six shows. I came back home and started practicing like a fucking madman, and then went out there. When was that? Like May or June, something like that. I think in June. Two thousand nine. And what's the audition? Is it you and the full band? Is Ozzy there? It's me, uh, Blasco on bass. And at the time, this drummer was Mike Borden, but he was out with Faith No More. So they got Tommy Cloferos in, who was Blasco's buddy from Rob Zombie's band. Um, and we go in there. I thought it was going to be like a line of guitar players. You know, you hear all those horror stories. Yeah. Like there was like fucking 150 guitar players. And I got the call. It was like... No, it was just they had just had blocked that day for me, maybe because I was coming all the way out of you know from Greece. So, so we went down there and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you can go in with a band and jam for a couple of hours." And I was like, "Oh," then because I was stressing about that, I'm like, "Can I have some time to do my warm warm up?" And they were like, "Yeah, just do fucking." We ran through the songs a couple of times, and then by that time, I was pretty confident. I'm like, "Okay, I know I can do this now." So, so you are quietly confident. You believe in your ability. You know you know the songs. Nerves mm. don't get the better of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I... Um, I. Oh, that's me? Shit. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about Sorry. it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am Yeah, I am confident about my playing. And, you know, I, I know if I know, like, a piece of music, I know I can deliver. I can execute. Absolutely. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was going to... The only thing that was nervous for me was ma- making me nervous was... I didn't know how the audition was going to goal how it was gonna roll but once they told me that you have a couple of hours to you know dial in your tone and like warm up and stuff then I, that by that time when i heard that i'm like okay i got this i think i can do this now so and then ozzy came down with sharon and their assistants and briefly met and they were really cool i was a little bit you know i was starstruck of course and then you know you just he was really cool he said hey man don't relax don't worry man if you fuck up it doesn't matter it's rock and roll just play your heart out you know and that really broke the ice, you know. So then we started playing. We played six songs back to back. And then he, I remember he turned around to me and said, you're fucking great. I'm like, oh, wow, thank you. 
And then he went off to another room next door with Sharon and everybody was talking. I was just left there, just me and Tommy looking at each other. I'm like, okay, so now what? And he goes, you got the gig, man. I'm like, how the fuck do you know that? Why do you think they're in there chatting right now? I'm like, oh, shit. Maybe you're right. Because if they didn't like it, they would have said, okay, thank you, bye-bye, whatever. And then, indeed, like two minutes later, everybody comes out and, you know, they're just... They were like, hey, how would you like to come back and do a gig with us? And that was the best day of my life. It was fucking cool. I'll bet, man. I can't even begin to imagine the sense of pride and accomplishment and humility and excitement. Yeah, yeah. What a trip. Who's the first person you tell? Are you with your wife at I this point? I was with my wife. Yeah, yeah, she flew out with me. She was my girlfriend back then. So she was at the hotel waiting anxiously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we actually flew into LA for 24 hours just for this and then back home. And of course, we couldn't tell anybody when we went back. That's it. Yeah. Until it's like official and you're doing it, you know? And that was like three months of waiting. Three months, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Chomping at the bit to tell everyone like, yeah. yeah. And How many people do you think over the years have blown their opportunity because of their inability to keep quiet? There must have been plenty over the years. Oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Various capacities, I'm, right? That are just I'm, like, fuck yeah. And <laughs> like, you weren't meant to say that, so see you later. You've blown it. <laughs> I got the gig. Imagine how fucking pissed at yourself you'd oh, be no, if I you'd didn't. blown it like that. <laughs> like, I had it and now it's gone. Yeah. No, I did. I, I was like, I, I guess didn't. with a camp like that, you you have to learn to, you know, toe party line, as it were, right? And that was also like a learning wishes. experience. Like, yeah. really, like, this is your place. You don't talk, you show up, you play. Like, it taught me a lot. It was, it was a certain discipline for sure. Mm hmm. Uh, and, but that, it's almost but, like a factory job like you're checking in and out right obviously it's yeah. extremely creative and fulfilling but yeah and you know I was not used to being a hired gun I, this was like my first gig as a, I mean my second gig well, the first one was with Arch Enemy 2005 that was for a brief time like a couple of months just for the Osphus tour but like this was like a, a serious like hired gun gig I at that time all I knew was just being the boss in my own band yeah you know so but I think uh, Honestly, I think my, my I, I'll go back into that family upbringing in Greece, you know, the f family value thing. I think just having those manners and knowing your place and knowing when to speak and not to, that helped me a lot to, to uh, go through the motions really quick and figure out what what's what and what I should do and what I should not do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I don't know, I could have been some arrogant kid that was like, hey... When we're doing yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like it's a very family-run business as well. Obviously, you know Sharon's his wife and his manager, but it does yeah. seem to have that um, bubble around it, right? And if you're in the bubble, then you're in it. Yeah. But if you ain't in the bubble, you're probably not getting in. I think it's like that with all those that level artists, superstars. You know, they have their you know their camps and how the they inner are. circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it is with everybody. I I would I would assume that you know. Uh, everybody's running their own business. It's it's all you know. Like I say, you have if you're in the circle. I mean, even for us, then we, when we were in, we didn't get a lot of info. Like that was one of the things that I, I was always kind of like, why don't we know what's happening this time next year? We only know this next tour, and then we don't know anything. I, w I would find out about a lot of gigs through the internet. So, really? Yeah, it was a little bit <laughs> in the beginning. It was a little bit disheartening. With like, oh, come on, I, I really need to know. I'm, but then again, I can be. Like, uh, I can be, what's like, what's the word I'm looking for? Patient? 
no in, impatient like impatient. that. Impatient. I, uh, I I was impatient like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I I really need to know. Yeah. I need to. Well, because you want to know what's going on with your life. You know, you yeah. want to know that there's Plus, a certain I'm a control element of certainty freak. there. And yeah, and I'm a control freak too in my own band, so I needed to know like the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. And when I was not getting it, I was like, what? What the fuck? So. But I learned how to, you know, how to adapt. Like I said, it was a, uh, it was, it was interesting to be a hired gun at, at that level, you know, with for such an artist. Um, what about that Scream record? That was uh, 2010, 2011. That came out, was it? 10. I remember I was on Kerrang Radio, and I rem- remember playing the single "Let Me Hear You Scream" a lot. Like, what did you think of that, like new Aussie sound at that time? I loved that particular single. Mm. I couldn't remember any of the other songs off the top of my head off that album mm. now. But I thought "Let Me Hear You Scream" was as big and you know a, 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 a statement as any that had come in the last twenty years from him. Yeah. What was your? Did you get involved hands on with the the writing of that record? What was your role? No, not really. I uh, I mean, when I went there, it was, it all happened so fast. I was there doing the gig with him, and two weeks later, I came back, did another festival, and then they're like, "Stay here for another week, and come around the house tomorrow." So I went down to Ozzy's house he had a nice fucking amazing studio in his house so he started playing me all these songs he was working on that had no guitar it was okay a, it was a producer Kevin Churko kind of like yeah yeah putting like all the guitar parts like edit, editing the fuck out of it and he was like the main writer him and Ozzy and they're like well can you play some solos over this so I sat there for a week and did solos and then I went home and heard nothing for a month and then I got an email from Sharon and she said, hey, look, we like, we probably like, we shouldn't have done this. Like, we really like what you did. Like, you had no info and still you nailed it. Like, we, but we would like you to come back and properly work on this record. Like, s- s- work on all the guitars from scratch. Take as long as you need. And it was really cool, man. So I, I went back there. And I um, I started record, re-recording all the riffs, all the acoustic parts. All, we made solo parts. The songs didn't have any solo parts. Um, but the compositions were there already, you know. Um, so that was also a, a hard task for me because I'm only used to making records that I write the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so somehow I had to leave my mark on there as a new Aussie guitar player or as Gus or whatever you, it is on a record that, is not mine on an and on this. Uh, it's an Aussie Osborne record. And it's an yeah, Aussie, yeah. yeah. So it was like fucking, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a heavy. You know, you're walking into the shoes of Randy Rhodes and people like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, yeah. But you you enjoyed the task, and you feel I was up proud for the, of the end result. I was up for the challenge. You know, at the time I was scared shitless, <laughs> but you know, it, it could be haunting the ghost of the guitar player's past. You know, yeah, but, of course, um, but. I was up for the challenge. I was, I'm just not a quitter in life. And I'm just, I'm like, you know what? I remember Kevin Churko telling me, I said to him one day during the recordings, I said, you know what? I'll probably go down in history as the fucking worst guitar player he ever had. And he goes, yeah, but you know what? You will be one of them though. <laughs> and that's not bad. That's better than most fucking dudes out there. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I never thought about it that way. Perspective is everything, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I was up for it, man. I did, I did the best I could, you know, given the, the time frame, the, 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 the way things were, I, I love the record. I didn't write a fucking note on, on those songs, but I, I played all the guitars and I think they were really good compositions. Kevin Churko is a great writer. Ozzy makes amazing vocal lines always. 
anything that guy sings is just amazing. And I'm proud of that record to this day. You know, it's it's great. Is there anything you change about your experience within the group? Would you change anything from your own personal point of view that was within your control that you could have done differently? Or are you um not really. I mean, my job there was only to show up on time and play guitar. It's right. not really. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I really There was no room for There was no yeah, and, and I didn't really I was not really that pushy kind of guy either. I don't know if I should have been, but I, I I didn't feel like I should be. It was things were taken taken care of mostly. Um now I don't know, like I've often wondered like should I have done more of like my versions of the songs live? Because I, I my uh, my philosophy at the time was just stick to the originals, just play them as they were. I think he's going to like that, and I think he did like that. But uh, should I do Gus all of all over the thing and like start changing up solos and things here and there? Would that have given me a, a, a bigger stamp into his legacy? I don't know. That that's the only question that has remained in my head. But you know what? What's done, it's done, and I think what I did back then was the right thing so that must have been the right thing and in terms of touring with Ozzy and traveling the world with a man of that uh well just a larger than life character have you got any favorite memories that stand out oh I mean you. there must be <laughs> 10 books from everybody that spent that amount of time with him but yeah I honestly particularly stand out moments that make you smile when you think back there have been some funny moments for sure because I mean just being in the room with a guy it's guaranteed like after two minutes you're gonna fucking be on the f rolling on the floor laughing you know like, everybody says that about yeah. him he's, everybody he's just, that spent time with him just says a natural, he's, you know? he's fucking hilarious yeah. on and off the stage yeah yeah correct and uh, I mean the Aussie that I met was not the madman like the crazy dude that snorts ants and cocaine and stuff he just drank tea and sat there and said you know told stories and it was really funny sometimes he would forget and he would tell the same story over and over again and that was always every time even whenever he did that it was always as funny <laughs> even the second <laughs> yeah, yeah, time or the yeah. third time everybody <laughs> would still laugh the same <laughs> i don't know why um and yeah i mean you know how he is you know if, if you've seen any of the osborns or if you know anything about him you know people that have followed him he's yeah, the guy that you see is he, he can be goofy, he can be he's just himself, you know, and um it's a really funny guy. Um and of course there's this amazing aura around yeah. him, you know, like you know when he's present in the room, you know, absolutely. Um did I tell you about the time I I took a sleeping pill from him? No. Man, I, I should have never done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enough to knock out an elephant. Actually, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And he, I was having insomnia after the show. Then he's like, yeah, come around my room. I'll give you one of my... Uh, this is the light one that I take. I take two. He said, but, you know, I'm an old man. You take you take this one. Yeah, you'll be fine. And I kid you not, man. I always, I almost didn't wake up the next day. Like the lobby call was like 5.30 p.m. I p.m. Woke, p.m. Brilliant. And I woke up at 5.20. Like totally lost in oblivion, like in another fucking world. I thought I fucking died and came back from the dead. <laughs> And I, the minute he saw me, he was like, hey, you fucking stone, man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe, man. And the tour manager pulls me on the side. He's like, you fucking idiot. Why would you ever take drugs from this guy? <laughs> and, that, and that's when it occurred to me. I'm like, oh, you're right. I should have never done that. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. He's a fucking hero, isn't he? Yeah, man. He is a fucking hero. You live um, and you learn. You were telling me on the plane the other day, myself and Gus and his band shared a flight over from Manchester to Dusseldorf, and um, I was joking that your singer Dennis was not in the queue with you guys. I was like, oh, be sure you don't leave your singer behind, and you were like, oh, no, that's happened before. Tell me about that. This was recently, right? Oh, yeah. The, um, well, I mean... Or did you even say there's been a couple of occasions? There's been a couple. Of, it's happened to me a couple of times because, yeah, like uh, our old singer uh, quit a couple of times during the tours. Uh, I remember we were in France on stage and then finished the song, fin- finished our gig, and then he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to the airport in the morning. We're like, what? You're like, what? We don't have a flight? Yeah, exactly. Tour's going on. Like, no, I'm going back. I got to go back and uh, that's it. I'm done. Did he give you any reason or was he just let him out? He had to, he didn't want to quit his day job and he went back and I don't know what happened. I can't remember exactly what happened. He just left us in the middle of like, we were on tour. Actually, we were on tour with the band Angra. It's Kiko's, the guy who plays in Megadeth now, guitarist. That's his band, Brazilian band, power metal band was Angra and Firewind. That was a tour. And we're playing somewhere in France and he just left. And we're like, okay, so now what? What do you do in that situation? And we called up. Make guy. some frantic phone calls. Yeah, we called up another guy called Henning Basse, who went, ended up being our new singer now. And we're like, we have a travel day tomorrow and then we're going to Spain. Can you learn eight songs and come out and do this? Like, yep. So we got him on a flight. And we did it. Forged on. That's what you got to do, and yeah. you got to keep the wheels rolling. Show must go on. Uh, do you ever struggle with the idea? I mean, would you ever want to be a singer? Would you ever want to be the front man as well? Is have you ever tried it? Is it ever something that you? When I was younger, I did not you want that role. More of I, when I was younger, I didn't want that role. I always wanted to be the guitar player. Uh, after my experience in my career with singers leaving like that, and like <laughs> yeah, I mean, Firewind has had three or no four, five singers by now. It's um, usually drummers, isn't it? You got the market on singers. Drummers too, singers uh, and drummers. drummers. And yeah, drummers. yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. it's basically just you, and then just me, <laughs> the, the other bass two player, are just constantly and the changing. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 core of the band is me, the bass player, and the, and the and the keyboard player, and then singers and drummers just come and go. Actually, we've kept we've had the same drummer for like eight years now, so we're good. With Johan, who's yeah. also drumming for my solo band. Um, but after all these experiences, I wish I had a fucking godlike voice, and I could have been the singer as well. So you just don't feel confident in your ability as a singer? Is that what it is? I don't think uh, I have uh, good enough. Like my voice, I can do backing vocals. I'm good with that. I, uh, I can. You can hold a note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't think the sound of my voice is as good as the singers that I work with. So I'd rather work with some of the best instead of me singing, you know, half-assed. Does Tremonti sing on his project? Yes, he does. And he has a really good voice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does because he's obviously you know in the the band with Miles, who's one of what well, ironically one of the great guitar players as well. That a lot he of is, people yeah, don't know. Yeah. He's an amazing guitarist as well, isn't he? They're both great guitar players and good singers. Yeah, yeah, great singers, both of them. I mean, Miles is like fuck next level, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but Mark, I mean, I when I heard him on his solo record, I'm like, whoa, the guy's got a voice like that. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, right. And you, I've, I guess you don't have to rely on that other element and yeah. as a control freak yeah. have you just accepted that that's your fate yeah and exactly you i mean that's why when to, gods. Uh, to be honest with you the one of the reasons why this my new solo band is a trio is because of that reason i didn't want to have to rely cut on cut back sing- on the variables yeah and and, and a lot of the and great the risk. and the good singers are always taken they have other gigs to do 
So, you know, when you're doing tours like that where you cannot pay somebody like, uh, I don't know, however much they require or whatever, or just to put them on a payroll like that, you know, only the really big bands can do that these days. Yeah. Um, then you're going to have to settle finding different guys. And since this is a solo project, I mean, Dennis sings amazing. And he's a bass player, but his hidden talent is also his voice. And what's those mics that he uses? I love those old Elvis-style ones. The Elvis mics, I call them. I don't know what they are. I just call them the Elvis mics. Des from Devil Driver uses them as well, yeah. doesn't he? I think they look amazing. Yeah. But someone the other night was like, nah, you don't be using them. I was like, why would you not want to use that mic? Yeah. I want to get mics like that for the podcast. You should. You reckon you I should? Yeah, How yeah. much are they? How much you reckon they go for? I don't know. I you should ask Dennis. Yeah. Uh, should, well, is it his mic? That's his, yeah. All right, then I'll do that. Because he's a studio producer as well right right so right he knows all about that shit you should ask him are you interested in that side at all are you interested in mixing producing no no, no. that's not your bag that, that i don't have i'm right. not much with that kind of technology and the sonic side of it i mean I, I i can tell you what sounds good and what sounds shit but yeah i don't know what mic is what and kilohertz and shit like that i don't i have no idea and no interest seemingly no 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 i mean i do enough i think yeah you yeah know, yeah I, you're I, managing playing I'm managing i'm playing <laughs> why I'm don't you sing stuff? and produce as well Gun? exactly <laughs> <laughs> fucking slacker exactly yeah yeah lazy bastard uh well dude i think we can wrap it there we're almost at an hour that was wicked chat and okay. uh, i guess you got a sound check soon anyway um thank you for being so courteous and welcoming to me um sometimes you. when you're on tour on your own as a dj it can be a bit of a solitary lonely experience yeah. and when bands are friendly and and warm and welcoming it makes all the difference so you can travel with us anytime bro thank you man and you can uh you know we can, we'll, we'll put you up there in the put front me up there and and you DJ. Can, yeah you can dj you can yeah, uh, yeah. be in charge of how the long playlist. is the drive from here to paris that's got to be a fairly big one right yeah like 400 kilometers maybe or oh, we could rock all the way let's do it with me in control fuck yeah and is it dennis driving as well so he's yes pull, he's pulling singing and driving duty yeah, yeah two well crazy I, motherfuckers in the front that's it two mavericks <laughs> two mavericks, <laughs> two mavericks. <laughs> cool man nice one buddy uh what have you got going on for the rest of this year that people can uh check out in terms of releases or touring or um this is like the last leg of my solo tour with uh, steel panther but uh, i'm going back out in the summer with firewind doing a few festivals and uh, club shows supporting queensryche Nice. And we're actually, after that, we're going to go back in the studio, make a new record. And we're sorting out the plan for the rest of the year in 2020. And it's going to be a lot of touring with Firewind. Awesome. And some solo gigs, I would assume, here and there. Yeah. And if people want to follow you, is it Gus G Official on all platforms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. GusGOfficial.com. Same on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Thank you, Cheers, brother. brother. Good chat. It. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.